Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick. Today, joined by lore executive Nathaniel Talbot. Nathaniel, so good to see you again. I know you've been traveling around lately, so hopefully you are uh, jet lagged or not, or hopefully you're jet lagged. No, hopefully you're not jet lagged or recovered from jet lag or whatever kind of lag you had. It could have been, it could be a much more interesting show if I'm still jet lagged. So I guess that's true. (laughs) Could be, could be really fun. I, I think the effects of sleep deprivation often mimic the effects of drunkenness, but without the biblical condemnation. So, um, (laughs) could be really exciting. I forgot to, I, well, I forgot to mention a couple of weeks ago on a show. So I'm going to ask you now, it wasn't to you, but I, I like to get, you know, updates for, you know, especially our audience, how Lure is doing, how Lure is growing. Uh, we did see uh, the Salter, the first episode of that funded, barely biblical is getting close. Uh, what does Lure's growth look like right now? And what are you excited about on that front before we get into our topic of today, which as you know, we're going to solve um, and let right. definitive answer. Yeah. But anyway, how's Lure's growth before we get there? So I think I've done startup stuff before. And what you find when you're building a startup is it's almost like um, an assembly line where um, you're manufacturing something and you hit different bottlenecks and then you have to open up those bottlenecks. So um, early, really early on and lower the bottleneck was, could we find any creators who wanted to uh, put content onto the, onto the platform? Um, after that, uh, and that clear, we cleared that bottleneck. And then it was, can we build uh, the product? Can we can we get it out there? We can't really start selling until we have something to sell. And now we're at the marketing bottleneck, um, which every business also hits. And so we are hammering away at basically working on subscriber growth. We've got a really rabid fan base that is in there and engaged, but what we need to do is start, um, continue building our more mass market appeal, or at least the next phase of adopters and grow the, grow the number of people funding things. Um, we would like to be at the point where we're funding an episode of, uh, the shows that we have on the platform, uh, you know, every few weeks, uh, every week, uh, and that just requires more users. So tell your friends, uh, invite them in, use your invite code and get, you know, some extra loot for yourself to spend on things when your friends sign up for uh, and pay for their first month of subscription. Um, but yeah, we're, we're actively working on growing it. It's a challenge that every startup hits and that's what we're, what we're hammering on. We should, we should do something on the podcast to, uh, you know, with some sort of a loot contest or something like that. Like maybe we should, Maybe we should uh, have like a like a movie trivia game show and invite lure users on, and we'll do it live. And uh, you know, the winner of the game show gets X amount of loot to give to whatever. I don't know. I guess I should talk to Marcus about that. Now that I'm yeah. saying it in something that's going to be out there, somebody else will steal the idea. But anyway, I don't know. We I love like I love now. planning podcast episodes on the podcast. It's always great. That's well, it's the professional thing to do. If yeah. you you know, that's how they do it in the big leagues. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so big league conversation here, though, one that has many theological ins and outs, and I'm sure many, uh, well, certainly many opinions. If there's one thing Christians are, it is opinionated. And we we promote and are, we create faith-based films. We're going to portray God in one way or another. But the question for today is, is portraying God on film actually a sin? There are some people that believe 
any image, you the, the picture of Jesus you ha, you have on the wall that this is a sin. The, even even down sometimes to wearing a crucifix could be sinful. But certainly we have you know in there you know a scripture where Jesus says that we're not gonna not supposed to make any image and and then Jesus says he's the image of the invisible and so on and and. Where do we draw the line or is there a line to be drawn? Where does it become sinful? Is it sinful? Because we are, when we portray Jesus in whatever film we're making or when we portray God, we are taking a theological position about him. We're saying certain things theologically. And the inherent problem with that is because we're finite, we can't get that theology right no matter what. We're always going to we're always going to overly humanize him because we, we, he has for us to imagine God, we have to kind of trap him in our finite understanding to write that character for, for that, for that show or, or film. So I wanted to walk through this because I think it's important. There are a lot of portrayals of God. We've done some pastor reacts videos about different portrayals of God in film. We'll do a few more of those as the weeks go by, but it is our quest to, to, or is our inclusion of God as a character sinful? Yes or no? And, and why or why not? What do you, what do you think? Boy, we're going to, we're really going to solve this one. We're going to, yeah. we're going to nail this one down, Andrew. Um, uh, yeah. I, my, the first thing I'd say, so two things, first of all, I'm an elder in a church that holds to the Westminster confession. Um, and, it's actually a fairly standard exception in our um, in our denomination to take an exception to uh, the wording in the Westminster Confession that refers to it being a sin to have an image of Jesus in your mind. But I continue to hold to and I'm fine um, sort of standing on the idea that portrayals of even Jesus are wrong from a confessional standpoint in terms of what I teach in my church. So you can read that as a disclaimer. So I don't get in trouble with my session. If you want to, um, it's probably what it is. Uh, but the second thing that I'd say is that this is one area that I hold somewhat loosely, um, because I think they're really, so first of all, we have to understand that we worship a triune God, right. Um, Mm -hmm. in three persons, Um, I would say, like, I find the uh, depiction of God on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, while that is a beautiful painting, I find it blasphemous. Um, The idea of portraying God the Father as an old man, um, the idea that we can uh, image the the unimageable, um, that we can try to contain that. At the same time, I do find a compelling argument that I'm willing to uh, at least consider um, and, and gives me a lot of grace for those who take a different position in the Westminster being that Jesus was incarnate and he was made incarnate. He was made into flesh. He was a man. He was a man who, if there had been cameras at that point in time, there weren't, that's probably for the best. I'm sure that was part of God's plan. But at the same time, if there were cameras at that time, we would have pictures of Jesus because he was a real man. He was not some spiritual being that you can't like capture on, on film, he was a real flesh and blood human, as well as being um, fully God. And so the the idea that it is always and in all ways uh, sinful to betray him, I think, is challenging. 
I would also make some distinction because I do have real issue with the veneration of images, which my reformed forefathers um, uh, fought against very hard um, with the Catholic Church, um, with the prevailing mindset of, of venerating uh, icons and images. I view that as worship. Um, my Catholic, my Catholic brothers, who I do consider a lot of Catholics, uh, Roman Catholics to be uh, brothers. But at the same time, I think they're in, in grave error on that point. Um, and I understand that my reformed forefathers were fighting against this when they went through and, and um, tore down images and icons. At the same time, I think there's always the potential for overreaction. And um, I'm sad that some of that art not necessarily all of it, but some of it was destroyed at that point in time. Let me ask so, this question. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, finish your thought and then I'll, then I'll ask. So like my, my overall point is that I, um, this is always a challenge in art. Like it's always, um, uh, and the distinction I was going to make is between reenactment and um, sort of uh, uh, images I think that there are, are times when it's appropriate to reenact Bible stories in various reenactments. An example would be our barely biblical series. So we're not even dealing with images of God at that point, but can we reenact a Bible story um, in, in various ways um, without being blasphemous? And I think we can. And then, but depictions of Jesus are another level. Okay, so let's let's walk through a couple examples of how we how we depict Jesus. And I would say I'm going to say this too, just for a blanket. It's not a perfect piece, but every time you have in Scripture, Old Testament, you would see the angel of the Lord in contrast with an angel. So the angel being a pre-incarnate Christ. Then you have Christ incarnate, and now you know here we are. So if we're depicting God in the flesh, really strictly theologically, we're, we're, we're depicting Jesus. So I'm going to use that interchangeably um, in, in terms of the triune God. But when we're depicting God, we're really depicting Jesus. We're just going to make that kind of understood for this. Um, so let's start with, for example, uh, Passion Place. Churches do this every year all around, well, at least all around the States, maybe some other, other parts of the world, Passion Place. Are we walking any kind of fine line? Are there any pitfalls or or, or um, landmines there that that, in your view, we need to be aware of when depicting Jesus in these plays, or is that more, is or is that similar to barely biblical, where we are just acting out what we read in Scripture? Um. I'm not as familiar with passion plays. Like I'm familiar that they happen. I've never been in a church that, that did that. Have I you, think have that. You, have you seen the Jesus movie? me, the move me. Oh my gosh. The Jesus movie that uh, I think it was made in the seventies. Brian Deacon played Jesus. He was an aristocrat of course. And as we all know, Jesus was British refined, but uh, the, that, you know, that's, it's the, it's the most translated film depiction of Christ in the gospel is taken straight out of Luke's gospel. The, the dialogue is all out of the book of Luke. So right. effectively most passion plays are going to be that um, some of them do have, you know, additional dialogue added in blah, 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 but they're effectively that that's what they are. So in, um, 
yeah. So is that, is that a problem? There, I would say that there would be a, um, the, the concern I would have is always in that kind of context would be around cheesiness and unseriousness. Um, I've seen some high school skits and such that have that, that are, are cheesy in how they depict um, uh, Jesus, how they de- depict serious theological questions. Right. Um, I'm not, I'm not pro cheese. Um, and a lot of our, a lot of our stabs into this arena are cheesy. Once you set aside that, I mean, I am personally okay with watching say the passion of the Christ. I have it mostly just because I never got around to watching it. And, um, I wasn't sure that I really wanted to dwell in that, but, um, and when I say that, I mean, I don't know. I grew up in the, uh, the Baptist circles where, you know, every single time we took the Lord's supper, it was a, a great, uh, in like gazing upon the passion of Christ. And I'm not in those circles as much anymore. Anyhow, all that to say, I would personally be okay with watching the passion of the Christ. Um, it does seem to be a really, truly serious, um, passion play, um, from what I've seen. That said, I could see someone taking issue with it. So I think I'm going to be a squish on this one, Andrew. I don't know if if uh, you're going to get the the hard uh, lines. What I will say is, from a lore perspective, from an art perspective, this very much falls into the realm for me of of saying the artists need to grapple with this question, and lore is going to support them as they do that. Um, we're not going to have cheese. That's one of my favorite things about lures. We like, we reject cheese outright, you know, unless, unless it's intentionally a takeoff of a campy, a campy movie or something like that, we reject the cheese outright. So I'm not really concerned about that, um, as much, uh, from a lure perspective. And so, uh, this is a question that artists have to grapple with, um, and we want to support their ability to grapple with that. We want to, uh, one way I think about it is we want to be as, as wide as the creeds. We're not, we're not confessional per se, uh, in terms of, of pulling in the confessions. I think that's a, a place for churches, but we're as wide as the creeds, um, the, uh, apostles creed, the Nicene creed. And so there's, uh, and then like <laughs> what we want so often as Christians is we want to we want the movie service that we're signing up for to have thought through all of these issues for us and to have come down on them. And so then we don't have, we can just check out and say, we don't have to think about this, but what really needs to happen is with lore. If you see on there, uh, uh, a project, maybe it's even barely biblical. And you're like, I don't think it's right to tell those stories with teddy bears well, then you get to decide that you're not going to put your money against fairly biblical and you're not going to watch it with your family when it comes out. And that's OK. Um, so in the secular world, we understand we have to make this decision um, uh, on a regular basis with the media that we consume. And somehow we expect Christian uh, Christian streaming services, Christian media services to allow us to check our, our brains at the door and not have to actually think through these things. What? As you understand it, what are some of the problems of depicting Jesus? Like, why would it be 
why would it be counted a, a sin in you know in, in in Westminster, for example? Why would why would those why is that problematic just as a baseline, art or not? As a baseline, I think um, the reformed view on this comes out of seeing the what I would consider idol worship that you see in um, Romanism and and even in the the um, Orthodox Church, although even that has a slightly different take on it. They have actually fairly strict rules around um, icons and other things, but then they have these icons. And they want to draw a sharp distinction between veneration and worship. And um, it's, it's problematic. Honestly, I have more issue with the veneration of saints than I do with, uh, say, the depiction of Jesus. Um, The challenge is that I think it's pretty clear that we can tell stories about the Christians who have come before us. And so, again, going back to the idea of, of retelling or, or remaking a story not being a problem, because the, the Romanists uh, venerate um, a saint, I don't know, St. Boniface, does that mean we can't like make a movie about him because someone then might be caused to stumble? So the, the, the underlying challenge with depictions of God um, in the, in flat, in the flesh, Jesus, as he walked among us is the temptation to worship, uh, an image and not the action and not God himself. That said, we have large swaths, even of what we would consider the Protestant world, that being our Lutheran brothers who do not see a problem with this. Um, and, and actually, uh, will have, uh, depictions of Jesus and the saints in their churches. So, um, I'm very comfortable at the same time saying that veneration and prayers to the saints are not good. They fall outside of my confession and I do not do them and do would not recommend that anyone does. And yet still considering a Lutheran brother, uh, brother and, um, recognizing that this is a, a secondary matter and we ought to have charity to one another. Is there a, I guess, I guess this is really true of, it can even be true of, of music as well. You know, I I mean, I don't, I don't personally have an issue with portraying God on screen in a story. Um, I don't think it's, I I, I mean, in some ways, some, uh, some cultures are oral in their, in their traditions. And, and, uh, and so they will, they will often depict things or they will often uh, dramatize things to tell these stories. And so, if that's going to help get the gospel out or, or, or start a conversation in different ways, you know, I'm okay with that. At the same time, there is a, and not that I'm the arbiter of sin, by the way, I'm just saying I don't personally uh, have that conviction, but at the same time, there, there, there is a pitfall in the, or at least a, a word of caution, I would think, because like, for example, there are movies like, Oh God with George Burns, which we, which we covered on a past show. And then there's a few sequels to that. And another one's, Oh God, you devil. And Jesus is playing cards and it's a sell your soul to the devil. And Jesus comes back and say, well, God, George Burns comes back and saves him. Then there's, you've got Bruce almighty and Evan almighty with Morgan Freeman. And, and you've got many, uh, Jesus Christ superstar was huge back in the day. And that's of course perspective. Yeah. The shack, but see, well, yeah, well the shack, wow, there's problematic right there, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you you get all of those portrayals of God, if you, 
you there is a risk of taking away i'm not taking away i what am i what's the word i'm looking for reducing like reducing god to a man like bringing him yeah or or reducing divinizing him more or even reducing the significance of his deity and the significance of his sovereignty. And then that becoming the message that you take as a believer. So then you kind of project that back onto scripture because that's what you've seen. Is that maybe part of why uh, some traditions say, Hey, don't do that at all. And I'm sure that's why God in the old Testament was like, Hey, don't make, don't make, don't make pictures and stuff and don't car things because you're going to worship that. And you're going to think it's me and it's not. But at the same time, the, we, we have come, let us reason together. So we have minds. We're supposed to use them. We're, we're able to discern. So there is a balance of how, how much of that is the responsibility of the filmmaker not to cause someone to stumble, but how much of that is the responsibility of us not to be dullards. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how nicer way to ask the question. Yeah. I mean, to your point about reducing God, and I think particularly his otherness, um, a lot of these secular uh, portrayals of God, well, it's, first of all, it's really interesting when the secular world portrays God, they, they're they not portraying Jesus unless they're mocking him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always an old man or an old woman or whatever. It, it's always, you know, just kind of generic God. They don't want to portray the incarnate God who actually came and died because and, and, you know, rose again, because that actually challenges them in their sins and a generic God out there or a God who would fit right in with the Roman pantheon or the Greek pantheon that that's fine. That's not actually very challenging. Um, the incarnate God in Christ is actually challenging to the worldview. So that's a really interesting thing about the secular portrayals. Um, I think you're right that, um, there's a balance here. Um, but I think that the Ten Commandments tell us that, no, this is like a real risk. I think it's really interesting that um, the same sort of Reformed fathers that I look back to, um, if you were to read them, like read past them, you know, read, read them on uh, images and other things like that. But if you keep going, you're going to find out that they weren't really big fans of the theater either. Um, and on the one hand, I think that um, theater and uh, movies and these things are actually good gifts. And so um, I think they can be and have been in cases redeemed, and we ought to continue to press into that, taking them and, and saying, no, this, like our ability to, to, to tell stories um, on the stage or on the screen, that's actually a God-given ability. We ought to, we ought to do it. Um, we ought to do it really well. At the same time, I think there's a caution there that we have to recognize that that word is different than image. Like these are, these are different and God preferred to give us the um, revelation of himself that we carry around with us every day. He preferred to give that to us in word. Jesus at the same time, God said, you shall not make any images of me. But then Jesus came, uh, God, God decided to make, um, Jesus, the image of himself in human form to us. Right. So there's a, there's a tension there. There's a challenge there. There's something we really do have to grapple with and, and work with. Um, 
But I think that um, we can still look back to sort of, I look back to my reformed fathers and I say, no, there's, there's a real caution there. We have to be more careful, I think, in image um, and, and more wary of what we're doing. Uh, it's worthwhile to think through these issues when we're dealing with images in a way that we don't have to worry about uh, with word. Um, uh, I could say, yep, there are real challenges with, with depicting some of these things in film and we need to work through that. And it's worth working through that. And at the same time say, yeah, but when I'm at the table with my kids, it's really safe to just like pick up my Bible and read them a story and talk to them about it. Um, there's, there's a safety in that and, um, and, uh, an ease of that, that we may never have with images. We, we have, we're going to, we're always going to have to be a little more careful with them. Well, and with images, visual storytelling is visual. So one of the, one of the rules of screenwriting is, you know, show don't tell. Right. And so it's very, it it does take away from the word and maybe it, maybe it's in, maybe it's in the, the, maybe it's a lost in translation thing in in some ways where we, 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 I want to portray this accurately, but I need to show it, but it's not really something that can be shown, (laughs) you know, so how do you de- how do you de- how do you depict the invisible right other than the image of the invisible and how do you it's or, or, or it's or I'd, or I'd um, explain it like this evolution evolutionary theory is trying to explain you know origin of man and physical things but evolutionary theory well one it's wrong but on its best day it still can't account for love or hate or mercy or justice or compassion or right or wrong or any of that stuff it's kind of the same thing that the, the real image of God stuff, the real image of the invisible part of that in which we are created part of that. We are not, but was revealed in, in Christ in God incarnate. We're trying to, or at least Christians when they prepare Jesus are trying to show that, but they're trying to do it in a medium that wants you to show it when it's best explained. Now, as I just explained that, that was not best explained, but you, do you see the, do you see the, the catch 22 that we have there? We're, we're, we're always going to lose something in translation. What do you think a filmmaker needs to have in mind? Maybe one or two questions to ask if they're going to take on the task of portraying God on film in the flesh. What questions should a filmmaker be asking themselves in order to have the best portrayal possible. And I don't mean the most uh, theologically arrogant, but at least the most biblically consistent across the creeds. Um, I think the first, you know, the first thing I would do is just spend some time meditating on the commandments. I mean, the 10 commandments have actual guidelines for us. And I think there are, um, uh, other things, but I think it's worth just spending some time with that. Not in a flat way. Uh, obviously your hermeneutic for the rest of the Bible is going to affect how exactly you interpret that. But I think it's just worth sometimes spending time with the, with the word and, and thinking about that. I think that, um, so that would be one. The second would be, I mean, I always want to tell stories in my own tradition, right? So if a Lutheran brother is making a a movie, um, I would expect him to be going and talking to his pastor 
um, and and looking at the tr the tradition that he's from to make the prudential uh, decisions about this. Myself, as uh, someone in the Reformed faith, someone in the Westminsterian um, sort of uh, line, I would not generally even think to tackle um, a story that required a depiction of Jesus. Um, it's not, it's not something I'm going to go after. So I think, you know, some of that, just asking yourself, like, is this, is me going after this? Is this really in line with uh, my tradition and with uh, what I've been passed down from my forefathers um, in the faith? The, the final thing, and this goes back to what I said earlier, would be to ask yourself if you're treating the whole subject with the gravity that it deserves. Um, I think we have to be really careful about cheese. Um, if we're talking about even here's something, here's a little curveball to throw into this whole discussion. Do we have issues with depicting the Holy spirit as a dove? Um, I think most Christians are fine with that symbology, but that is actually how the Holy Spirit revealed himself when, at the baptism of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that like <laughs> there's there's things to grapple with in this. But I think even there, like um, avoiding flippancy, avoiding cheese, if we're going to dig into these waters, I think being really careful, um, approaching it with gravity is of uh, serious importance. So, uh, okay, I'll, I'll ask. I was thinking whether I'm not going to ask you this next question, and I will. Does Jesus belong in a comedy? Would he have any room? Because, you know, we want to take it seriously. A comedy is going to be satire, Especially if it's a Christian comedy, you're going to satire the church. You're going to have Jesus doing some weird things, probably. Do, do, do you think? Now, I'm not saying this isn't a rule for lore again. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, it, right. it's, this is Nathaniel, and, and we're just having a discussion. Also, lore audience want to hear from you in the comments. What do you think is portraying God in Jesus' sin? Is it not? Why? Why not? And ask, and you can answer the question too. Does Jesus belong in a comedy? Is there value to that? But Nathaniel, what do you think? Because we know that okay, a drama we can we can make that work. Uh, you could probably even do a, a thriller to some degree, depending on what um, what story you're talking about. But when you get into comedy and you get into satire, we've had conversation about satire on this podcast over different topics. And it can it can send people one way or another, and it can also accomplish one thing or another that maybe you don't intend. Does Jesus belong in a comedy? Should we put him in, in comedies? Is it? You know? I'm going to say, well, the underlying principle there would be Jesus should never be the punchline of any joke, right? I mean. If anything, we're the punchline in, in God's joke. Um, <laughs> but Jesus should never be the punchline in any joke. Um, and, and for that reason, I would say in general, no. I'm not going to say there's not some edge case where, you know, if you're okay putting Jesus in a film, he might show up on the periphery in a movie that's otherwise a comedy, right? Or uh, I, And I'm certainly not saying Jesus can't make jokes because he certainly does um, yeah. in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, but I think that the challenge in a comedy is generally in a comedy, everyone is going to be the target at some point in time. Every one of your major characters um, is going because otherwise your comedy turns into farce um, 
because, because it's like that in and of itself, for most of us humans, that actually makes the person who's never the punchline, the punchline, right? They're too yeah, pretentious. Yeah. They're too perfect. They're too, but that, but Jesus, while not being pretentious at all, is actually perfect. He is mm-hmm. actually above reproach. He's above satire. He's above uh, any kind of making fun of him because he is God as well as man. And so certainly in his human estate, Jesus would have done things that were funny that are common to all men. Right. I mean, well, God, I mean, God invented humor. Did he not? God invented yes. laughter. That's another thing. I think that's actually a part of God's image. We didn't, we didn't get that from the single celled amoeba Correct. or the big bang. So there are things that are funny and it's okay right. to laugh. So right. wouldn't he be? And, and you mentioned him being funny in scripture. He was actually sarcastic a few times. No. You you remember when he was walking with the two dudes, two dudes. Oh my gosh. Listen to me. Um, with, 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 with the two gentlemen, uh, from the, after he was, after he was resurrected and, and they're saying, and they're walking with him, they don't recognize him. And, and they, they, they stare at him kind of incredulous. Like, do you not know what's going on in the city? And, and he's like, no, no, tell me what's happening. <laughs> and you know, like he's trolling him, you yeah. know, and, and other, in other times when he says, why are you so dull or are you still so dull? When I read that, it's, it, it's almost like you can hear the sarcasm font kind of coming on a little bit by how, how plain does this need to be for you? You know what I mean? Like, and it just, there's a little bit of that going on where you can see Jesus doing that also. I mean, again, I always, I bring this up a lot, but Ezekiel making fun of the other gods, you don't think that God was giving him some material on that day to walk around as your God using the toilet. It's hilarious. It's hilarious stuff. Yep. And uh, so, okay. I'm sorry. I interjected there, but finish your. So, I mean, my, my overall point though there, and I agree completely with that is that God always tells the jokes. He's never the punchline. <laughs> so it's perfectly appropriate for the prophet to mock the uh, bail and Asherah and, and, and the priests of Baal and Asherah, obviously it's blasphemous for them to do the same in response. And God kind of dealt with them um, when they were like, I mean, don't be Goliath. You, nobody wants to be Goliath. It's just not, it's not good for you. You will be dead. Um, God will strike you down for blaspheming him. And, and so I would be, um, I think it's it's really challenging for us as humans to think of being able to write a, a comedy script that Jesus is in, have him never be the punchline of any joke because he isn't. Mm-hmm. And and at the same time, have him not end up being the punchline because he's too good for everybody and he's too uh, perfect. And, you know, because any human who set, who who puts on the. Uh, the idea who gives off the idea that they're as perfect as Jesus, we immediately recognize them as the punchline, right? So it's difficult to think of betraying that. And by the way, if you, if you want some other evidence that Jesus was funny and fun, kids loved him. Kids were drawn to him. Oh yeah. Kids are not drawn to unfunny, unfun people. Sorry. They're not, but they were. And he then rebuked, you know, the disciples for shushing them away. But so he had that about him. And, and that, I think that's one of the elements Yeah, he didn't need to put it in scripture. But one thing I'm looking forward to in meeting him one day is seeing Jesus sense of humor and seeing yeah. God's sense of humor and what that is. Cause I think we, you know, we'll still be laughing eternity about something and, uh, and man, what, what a day that will be. Anyway, I didn't mean to get this into eschatology, but, um, uh, <clears throat> or, uh, 
what if we're going to okay so in we we've we've asked okay what what should we think about what are the cautions should we have if we're making a uh a, a film about Jesus, should he be in a comedy, that kind of thing. What should be a goal of portraying Jesus in a film, whether it's a comedy or a drama or whatever? I mean, how should we use him in terms of function in the script? Does that make sense? Um, should it always be gospel and evangelism as in terms of is, is everything need to be uh, bringing people to an altar call at the, at the, at the end credits or, you know, is there, is, is there a place that he needs to be, he needs to occupy in each script that's transferable, uh, irrespective of genre? I mean, again, I'm going to go back to my confession and just kind of, uh, hang out there and say, I would do this myself. Um, if you're going to do it, the only thing that I would say is that if, if, if Jesus is in a story, and I also think this goes for, um, this goes for written stories too. Jesus is the center of all stories. Like he always occupies the center. So that doesn't necessarily mean a gospel presentation, but ultimately, I mean, ultimately, even if you're writing a story, any story that um, uh, is going to glorify God, I'm going to be able to read it as a Christian who knows that God made everything. And I'm going to be able to say, yep, Jesus is at the center of this story, too. Um, we recognize this, uh, you know, in things like the hero's journey. I mean, what what is the hero's journey if not death and resurrection? And what is the story of death and resurrection if not the story of our Lord and Savior Jesus? Right. So um, ultimately, uh, and, and I think actually this is one of the things that's that's challenging about thinking about putting Jesus into film and into stories is that it, it's almost difficult to think about him not immediately taking over the whole thing. When I think of the book Ben-Hur, which I mean, it, it's a grand story, right? Don't necessarily completely agree with the author's uh, theology, etc. But it's a grand story. I read to my kids. Um, it's one of the epics uh, that we have uh, from history. But when I think about the story of Ben Hur, you know, the very first uh, scene from that that pops into my head after having read the book, mm-hmm. it's when Ben Hur meets Jesus at the well as he's being taken off into slavery. Why? Because Jesus always grabs the spotlight. Like, it, like regardless of whether that's even a, a, an accurate or the, a good portrayal of Jesus, which I think it's, it's generally fine. Um, but he's just, you're always going to think about where Jesus shows up in the story. Yeah. You can't help it. And so that actually makes that, it makes it a really difficult uh, Jesus presence, even if Jesus was off screen, by the way, like, even if you were like, uh, you know, you just have a story where people are referencing Jesus over here and he's off screen, you still have a real narrative challenge there because he always steals the limelight. That's similar in the Chronicles of Narnia, right? C.S. Lewis and Aslan, the lion clearly is, is Christ. And even when he's not very prominent in one of the stories, you're still thinking, where's Aslan? What's he doing? He's still right. being mentioned. Aslan is the center of the story and there's no way around it. You're no, right. And, and actually like, here's an interesting 
maybe this is a maybe this is a maybe this is a rabbit trail. But as C.S. Lewis's use of allegory in the Chronicles of Narnia is potentially a really helpful way for us to sidestep the issue of whether or not we portray Christ in film, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it necessarily works for everyone, but isn't it interesting that C.S. Lewis tackles this issue by just like kind of going around it by writing an allegory. And we know who he's talking about, but he sidesteps a lot of the image issues by just going more, leaning into the allegory. We've kind of abandoned allegory in a lot of cases in, in our um, art. And maybe we ought to bring it back a little bit more. I think yeah, if, you, I, I, if you're listening, if you're watching or listening, depending on how you get this podcast, read the last couple chapters of the magician's nephew. You will instantly be reading Genesis three. I mean, and he literally just took it, transplanted it, but in allegory, as you're talking about, and he's, it's, it's flowered up with a lot of other, you know, Narnian stuff, but I mean, the, 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 the dialogue, the, the temptation, the, the, the fruit, the whole nine yards. And again, then he takes that and does other stuff with it. But I mean, it's, it's right there. And we were just reading it the other night with my kids and all of them were like, Hey, that's, that's in Genesis, isn't it? And, and so that connection was made. So there is a value in portraying it. Maybe you're right. Maybe we have gone too much uh, for, for reality, Jesus television, when we could do it with allegory and maybe even get closer to home uh, through that Avenue. Right. And Lewis would talk about true myth. Right. And I think that's all tied into this. Um, We've lost our we we are we're realists. We're materialists. And I don't mean that in the we like stuff uh, standpoint, but I mean that in the sense that we think that everything is mechanistic and it's only what you can see right in front of you, what you've seen yourself that you can even believe in. Um, And and so we've left this. I mean, I think. I think it'd be crazy as an artist sort of dipping into this area of, you know, telling stories about um, sort of closer to theology or telling stories about Jesus, et cetera. If you haven't actually read through Pilgrim's Progress, mm. Pilgrim's Progress is the great allegory yeah. of, uh, uh, of Christianity. Bunyan was a genius and there's a ton to learn from him in how he takes these weighty concepts and tells an actual story using what we would now consider heavy handed allegory. But again, I think we might want to return to at least go back a little bit in that direction because it just saves us from a lot of, uh, a lot of challenges in our day. Uh, Nathaniel, who would have thought that we'd start out talking about whether or not Bruce Almighty is any good and we'd end up with Bunyan and C.S. Lewis. So you never know where these conversations will take us. And of course, you know, we, I don't think we quite solved the, the whole issue definitively, but I'm not sure. I, I, I think this, I think there is a, a Romans 14 application of this. If a man believes it's sin to him, then to him it is. I think if there's any, if there's any place to land the plane, it's right there. Because there are going to be some who say, no, that's a, that's a line too far. There are going to be some who don't. And we just listed some storytelling that has been brought to the screen in many different ways that, that depicts Jesus for sure. And we, we're all for it. 
you know, and, and we've also talked about some, uh, maybe, maybe that's not the greatest way to, to, to greatest light to put them in, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, at any rate, uh, Romans 14, in terms of the personal application, um, and then just making sure that we're going in heads up, if we're going to treat him in a, we're going to use him in one of our stories, make sure we know what we're doing and why. But uh, anyway, fascinating conversation. There's a lot more we can get into, but for now we're not gonna cause time's up. So Nathaniel, thanks for, uh, thanks for engaging on this and bringing some of your uh, wisdom to bear. I always appreciate having you on and uh, we'll do it again soon for Nathaniel Talbot. I'm Andrew Southwick. This has been the lore entertainment podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, lure.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. Fund the movies that Hollywood do that today. Invite your friends, get bonus loot, all that kind of stuff. And hey, leave us in the comments. What do you think? Should God be in movies? What kind of movies? What movie would you make if you were casting God? All that kind of good stuff. I'll leave those in the comments there. And we will see you next time.